is also on there you'll read um, that today we're going to be looking at Mary and Elizabeth and there's a little bit of truth to that but we're going to talk about another character that we see in this story but just to talk a little bit about the wonderful Christmas this series that we're going to be going through um, the reason why we broke it up because we can use the word wonderful you know we use it a lot don't we we use we talk about oh that was wonderful and it's the most wonderful time all that kind of stuff and we get that that word around Christmas time and uh, but I wanted to well we wanted to um, try and inject a little bit of the fullness of wonder, if that makes sense. You know, when it comes to, when it's not just Christmas time, but when it, comes to our, when it comes to our own walk, walking out our Christian life, there's, there's that moment that I remember, and I'm actually going to share this story of when I first came to faith in Christ, and that was a full of wonder moment for me. But then as you, as you start to walk out life, um, I don't like to say it, but I hope you can relate to it. Sometimes the, the, the wonder levels drop off a little bit. And, and we start to get a little bit comfortable sometimes in our relationship with God. We maybe even sometimes find ourselves in moments where we're a little bit complacent in our relationship with God. Not that God is towards us, but I think sometimes for me, I, I can be reminded and prompted by God, hey, Scott, Let's get back into the Word. Let, let's, let's take some more time in prayer. Let's, let's, let's reconnect a little bit more than we have been. And, and trying to come into this sense of, of wonder. In conversations that I've had with people, and particularly non-Christian people, it's so easy to get into the debates and the, the apologetics. And I, I like apologetics. I like listening to that stuff. I like reading apologetics but there always comes a point where there must be a faith step we can't argue away the presence of God we can't convince someone of the reality of God we can look at the evidence and there's so much evidence but when it comes to actually coming into this relationship with God it's by faith isn't it it's not by convincing it's not by knowledge it's it's actually by faith and, and it's that moment of faith, maybe what's that first moment of faith as well that we often remember as that wonder moment, that full of wonder moment. And coming into Christmas time, we wanted to try and come back to that. Come back to the wonder of Christmas. And there's tinsel everywhere and there's uh, decorations going up in the shops. Apparently our Christmas tree is going up next week. The Christmas lights on the houses, and, and we see all this Christmas going on, and we hear the carols, and I, I, I like listening to the carols. But we need to, I think, just come back to the wonder of Jesus. And so that's what I want, that's what I want to talk about with us today. And we're going to look at uh, John the Baptist, actually. And uh, there's going to be three passages that I'm going to read. One's the, the first one's a bit longer. The second two are really quite short. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel 
to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I was reading that and I just had to stop on that for a moment and just be reminded, the word of God will never fail. How amazing, how, how wonderful is that the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried up to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. And she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honoured that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Now I love this early ultrasound of John the Baptist as a baby in Elizabeth's womb, jumping for joy when coming into the proximity of Jesus who's in Mary's womb. And I have no idea. I can't explain that one away. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how John the Baptist knew, but somehow he knew. And he was evidently excited, jumping for joy. Uh, the next verse, John chapter 1, verse 29 we're going to look at John the Baptist a little bit today. Verse 29 says, The next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then lastly, our last passage, Matthew 11, said John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. 
And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this season. Lord, I thank you that you want to speak to each one of us today. Lord, I pray that we would all, uh, Lord, just be reminded today of the wonder of who you are. That we would be in awe of who you are. That we'd be amazed at who you are, Lord. Lord, help us to, uh, Lord, just have a freshness in our soul. Lord, of just how incredible you are. And we just commit this time to you and for your glory. Amen. In 1990, I went on a youth Easter camp. I was part of Bathurst Baptist Church back then and uh, I can't remember where we went but I, w- I was 16 and uh, I'd, been, I'd grown up in, in church my whole life and uh, I wasn't prepared for what God was going to do. Uh, I was just going on a youth camp with my friends and um, I don't know that I was thinking too much more about it than that but there was a a guy who was there who spoke on Easter Sunday over that camp. And I wish I knew his name as well. And um, he started to share the gospel message. He was talking about what Jesus had done, how we had all sinned and we'd all fallen short of God's standard, but that Jesus would come in our place and take the punishment that was for us. And that he would go to the cross. He would be crucified. And that we would be able to receive our forgiveness and our our righteousness and our redemption and our reconnection uh, and all all that through what Jesus has done for us. And then he hit play on a a CD. I don't know if it was a CD even back then. It must have been a tape. Uh, Whatever it was, he hit play on it. And he turned and he started painting this picture. And he started painting this picture of the the sky and then he put the ground in and then put a couple of mountains in there and then he put a a cross on one of the hills and then over on the side I remember he drew a a tomb with the stone that had been rolled away all the while while this song is playing and I'm watching him add this art to the message of this song and maybe it's just because it's a little bit of the, the musical thing in me or the creative thing but It was just one of those, for me, I was just so captivated by what was going on. And then he turns around when he'd finished painting and it turns out that he was one also singing the song while he was doing this amazing painting. Um, And then he had this time where he asked us all, there was probably about 70 or 80 of us in this room, in this little chapel, and he asked us all, would you... Um, just close your eyes, bow your heads. And he gave us all an opportunity in that moment. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to give your life to Christ. And if you're sitting here today and you know that that's you, if you know that you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Now, what was going on in my mind right at that moment was I was brought up in church. All these other kids that are around me, they all know me. I I know all of them. And it was going to be a massive admission for me if I'm going to raise my hand 
they're going to think I've been living a double standard. They're going to be thinking I've been loving, living a double life, that you've just been pretending to be a Christian, Scott. And, and so I kind of felt like if I was going to put my hand up, then I'm admitting to being a fraud all those other years. And so I had this kind of little wrestle, this little struggle inside of me in that moment as a 16-year-old. But I knew that I knew, and there was a conviction that was greater than my fear. And so I thought, I'm going to put my hand up. And so I don't know why pastors do this, but he said, on the, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And so one, two, three, and kind of half nervous, half fearful, half convicted, I raised my hand. And um, I was pretty sure <laughs> I was going to be like maybe only one or two of us in that whole room um, that, would have, that would have done that. And I raised my hand. He said, thank you. You can put your hand down. I thought, great, I'm the only one. And then he said, so if you raised your hand, um, the next thing I want you to do is I want to ask you to, to come out the front. So, oh, see, before it was a secret, before it was just between me and God and, and the pastor guy, but now, now everyone really, really is going to know, right? So I had another little struggle going on with me this time as well. And then he did the whole on the count of three thing. One, two, three. I thought, I'm doing this. So I stood to my feet with about 40, 50, 60 other kids. And we all went out the front to receive Christ, to enter into that relationship with him. And I share that moment because for me, there was such a joy if I can relate to a John the Baptist leap for joy in any way, it was on that day. If I can relate to having this fullness of wonder moment, that was the day where I was just, I was, I can't even explain to you what was going on in here. My, my words, I, I still even can remember now and moments since then where there's just been this overwhelmed sense of God's presence and his goodness and his grace and his love and and who he is and that's what I'm talking about today this trying to come back to that place at this Christmas that we can have that fullness of wonder that we just don't get caught up in the routines of of what Christmas is about but to to experience and have that fullness of wonder in who Jesus is and why he came there was a certainty in my soul that day that I knew that I knew that I knew I needed Jesus and that I'd counted him in a way that just goes beyond my ability to describe I felt so secure in Christ my faith levels were off the charts Jesus had radically changed my life and I wanted to tell everyone you know what happens then then the camp's over the camp's over, the camp ends. And I went back home where my brother annoyed me. And to be fair, I probably annoyed him too. I went back to school when my friends weren't really interested in my newly found life in Christ. And those days became weeks and those, day, and those weeks became months and months turned into years. And before I knew it, there was a gap between where that 16-year-old stood and where I then stood. There was, there was a distance between 
me being in full wonder of who Jesus is and so thankful and so grateful. Over years, I came to a place where my faith was getting a little bit stale and I was a Christian, but I wasn't, I wasn't that 16-year-old kid. I, I wasn't that excited kid anymore. I, I'd lost some of the luster in my own life. I'm wondering if you have ever wondered how John the Baptist could have experienced of leaping for joy in Elizabeth's womb when being so close to the unborn Jesus and then later also declaring, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world after those two incredible moments and then later after such living out those powerful revelations, still needing to ask him, are you the Messiah? How, how do you go from leaping for joy in the presence of Christ? How do you go from, behold, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world to, are you the Messiah? Like, are you the Messiah, Jesus? Because there's a gap. There's a distance between there and here. And I relate really well to that gap. I know what it's like to be over here. And I, and I think probably in reality, maybe we, we oscillate a little bit from, you know, from time to time. I would love to say that I'm always living in this place. I'd love to be able to tell you I'm always in absolute awe, thanking God in every moment for everything that he's ever done. I'd love to be able to tell you that. But that sometimes there's some days and sometimes there are some moments where I find myself, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the healer? Are you able to do what you actually said that you could do? I, I find myself in moments living in that gap. Are you really the one who takes away the sins of the world? So I can't say I blame John. John was in prison. John was mistreated. It was unfair that he was there. It was unjust. It was hurtful. It was discouraging. And day after day in a disgusting, dingy, dank prison. Where's your joy gone, John? Where's your declaration of the goodness of God? And yet, like John, we too find ourselves in situations where we experience the grace of God so powerfully, yet find ourselves in moments where we question also. We ask questions like, do you hear my prayers, God? Now, I may not say that out loud. I may not verbalize that because I know what the Bible says. I know God does hear my prayers, but it doesn't stop me from sometimes feeling that, from sometimes questioning God. I know you listen to everyone else's prayers. I know you hear Brad's prayers. I know you hear people's prayers, but are you hearing mine? Do you care what I'm going through, God? Why do you feel so far away right now? Why did that happen to me, God? Why aren't you delivering me out of this prison, God? I wonder if John wondered that when he was there in the prison, whether Jesus was able to deliver him and whether Jesus should have delivered him out of that prison. Well, I'm so discouraged and I can't get out of here. I'm so tired. Are you the Messiah, Jesus? And so then what we do is then we go into 
work mode. Like maybe if I, I better pray more. I, I, maybe I should give more. If only I was a better person, God would help me then. Now this is hitting home for uh, anyone here today. I want to reread those words again that Jesus spoke to John. He said, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. I wonder if we could insert our own name in that verse where Jesus says, go back and tell John. Maybe we could insert our own name in there instead of John. Go back and tell Graham. Go back and tell Ruth. Go back and tell Sunil. Go back and tell Stephen and Jeff. And see, I've been learning some names in a couple of weeks. Go back and tell and put your name in there. If you're going through some stuff at the moment, if there's, if there's probably more of this side than there is of this side, hear these words of Jesus to us today. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is preached to the poor. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me, who do not give up. Jesus spoke just the right words that John needed to hear and he drew encouragement from those words and we can draw encouragement from those words today also. This Christmas, who are we celebrating? We are celebrating the birth of the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? The answer is yes, he is. He most certainly is the Messiah who takes the blind man and makes him the sea, heals the sick, raises the dead back to life. The good news is being preached. It's amazing. Jesus is why we are celebrating a wonderful Christmas this year, a Christmas full of wonder and Jesus being the source of that wonder. My prayer for us today is that we would rediscover that leap of joy again because we are in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us, Christ in me and me in Christ. May we jump for joy a little bit this Christmas.